Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 89 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I loved chatting with our guest today um, because he's got great stories to share, but also he's a mixology hobbyist, which I myself dabble in the mixology hobbyisms. Hobbyistism. Yeah. We both like mixing cocktails and learning about it, experimenting with it, um, not to an unhealthy degree, but we enjoy it. So I'm excited to get to this one. My guest today is Steve Walleen. He's a designer, illustrator, photographer, and hobby mixologist, like I had mentioned, from Ultra Creative. All through high school, Steve was very much into the arts, the music and dance and everything else. And when he was a kid, he always noticed toy packaging and cereal packaging. Funny how he ended up becoming a packaging designer, right? We get into his college days and how they pointed him in the fine art direction. Some of his favorite works through that time that really stick with him and stand out as his favorites. We talk about burnout and you know questioning your career direction and how he pulled himself through that doubt. He talks about a project where he was able to design and also name the product and that one was a super important piece for him. That and so much more, and oh my gosh, his ask it forward question at the end is hilarious. Don't miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My wonderful guest for today, Steve Walleen. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, Thanks. Great to be here. Awesome. Excited to have you here. This is the Quickie Podcast. I get right into it. Um, so briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Steve Walling. Um, I am a designer, illustrator, photographer, uh, a little bit of a drink guy, like a mixologist, a vinyl record collector, a tiki enthusiast, and a, a dad. Fantastic. Man, you just nailed that intro. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Perfect. And give me, the, give me the design story. How long have you been a designer for and where are you at right now? Uh, I've been uh, in the industry uh, for about 22, 23 years. I've been doing uh, package design almost exclusively for the last 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I start. I went to uh, University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. Um, I was kind of a, like a music guy when I was there, uh, but I started devoting my time to fine arts. And then from there, I needed a career, so kind of went into the design thing. Very cool. Um, so I'm going to go back even further and I want to ask you about your childhood and what that was like. And do you feel you had a creative childhood that led you in this career path? I, I think, I think I did. Cause, um, I grew up, uh, I grew up like about 15 miles South of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, like in an old farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad bought a fo- hobby farm. He never, he kind of was thinking about doing animals, but he never did. So we were kind of this, we had this little farm, but we 
didn't we were surrounded by dairy farmers and we didn't we didn't actually farm we just sold strawberries mm-hmm. um and it, so there was not a lot of friends that were really nearby i had a few you know kids up the road or whatever but it's not like when you're in town you don't see them all the time um so i kind of i just sort of relied on imagination play and we had these dogs and i was pretty much the classic like free range kid i would just basically run with when i was three or four years old i just run with the dogs nice. like in the fields i mean i spend most of my days just like exploring that's know, cool. Countryside, essentially. So did you have any parents or relatives around you that were designers or artists that sort of showed uh, you what this field was about? No, not really. But my uh, my father was into woodworking. And uh, I had an uncle who also, the, uh, the farm I grew up on, he lived next door uh, and had a wood shop. Uh-huh. And so I was kind of inspired by like his woodworking. Um, Very and cool. that, I mean, that's about it. I just kind of got into it because I just loved to, I loved to draw when I was little. I just wasn't very disciplined. I didn't want to get better. I just wanted to do a lot of it. Yeah. Just wanted to sort of mess around <laughs> and draw and yeah, that's what exactly. you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So what do you think pointed you in this career path, in this career direction then? Uh, well, um, it's kind of the, it's a little bit of a wavy path. I started out as, as kind of a band geek, uh, like a drama, drama geek, mm-hmm. like in high school. Um, and you know, I took art classes, I enjoyed it. Um, but I didn't, it wasn't really a career path for me. I actually thought I was probably going to do something with the music side. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I went to college, like Eau Claire, um, they have a really good music program and that's uh, kind of the main reason I went there besides the fact they're also a state school. So I actually had free tuition because I had a academic scholarship. Nice. Um, and you know, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of money, so it was a, you know, (laughs) Good way to good way to get educated. Yeah. Um, but when I was in college, I sort of drifted into the art thing. I, I became really enamored with fine art. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I thought maybe that might be sort of my life's passion. Um, but I needed I needed to work, too. So mm-hmm. I kind of found this design thing as a as a way to do that. So was there, you know, a one particular moment where it clicked for you, where the, the switch was flipped? Um, for graphic design and you started noticing design and pursuing that? Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, and it's like, I can go back a little on that too, because, uh, when I was a kid, even, even when I was young, I really, I was enamored with toy packaging Oh yeah, and, uh, and cereal packaging. And it's like, so the can, you know, the fact that I ended up going into packaging, you know, it's sort of, it's the kismet, I guess it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I was always really into and, and, and I think this just sort of stayed with me all the time is that I loved maps. I've always been enamored with geography and maps. Cool. Um, and I would draw maps. I would, you know, like make up little battle plans or something like a risk <laughs> for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I love sports uniforms and mascots and, uh, you know, and then in college it was just, uh, Hey, there's a design program. I should, I should try this out. This looks pretty fun. It's a way to apply some of that. So all through your younger years and through high school, you were seeing, you know, these cereal packaging, toy packaging, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, team sports teams logos, and all these different things, and really, you know, enjoying them and noticing them rather than just, you know, it's a logo of a team. You were a little yeah. bit noticed it a bit more than that. Yeah, um, and I'd always connect to it if somebody would change their logo. It's like, oh, that's so cool. They, they did something like the Bengals came out with these striped helmets. I was like, oh, that's so damn cool. <laughs> Got it. So you were always noticing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there one particular design in that journey or through that path that sticks out to you as maybe the most influential 
on your journey? Uh, you know, I think the Star Wars movie poster from 1977 is one of the things that really, like, you know, kind of drove me a little bit more. You know, that drove me insane. I loved it. It's everything <laughs> about it was cool. So, um, but then, but another thing kind of related to that is just over the years through this journey, like I, I love collecting vinyl. I love, I love records. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love album covers. I think album covers are like the best, you know, the best design the coolest stuff's going on i mean they you know in the history of it they've done great illustration really amazing you know dramatic lighting just weird themes yeah so is that is that what you really like about them is that they're kind of quirky they're kind of weird and they really reflect you know the musician Mm -hmm. or band's personality yeah or and in some cases they don't they do the opposite of reflecting (laughs) the band's personality you know but it just creates this mood it kind of sets the tone for what you're going to listen to that's i love that that's cool yeah, vinyl is a uh, you know, significant resurgence right now. Yeah, yeah. And I have too much. Is there but, such thing? Um, yeah, because <laughs> oh, okay. I have it. I have too much. <laughs> um, well, Steve, the first step to, to uh, dealing with a problem is acknowledging it. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about some of the people who are inspiring you right now, some designers or brands that you might look up to or closely yeah. follow, and what yeah, about yeah. them you like? Um, I, one, okay. One that I just connected with the other day, cause I was at the place, uh, indeed brewing. It's a, it's a local uh, brewery in Minneapolis, microbrew. Mm. Um, but they have done, uh, I just love the cans, the design that they've done on those. It's like, I mean, they're busy. It's kind of hard to shop them, but the illustrations are, are phenomenal. There's this illustrator named Chuck Yu and everything he does, it's, um, I mean, it's all, it's all like a hand hand-drawn type illustration and it's like everything is claws and capes and hairs and you know snakes and tentacles and stuff like worked through it it's just like it's so detailed and you can look at those designs for hours and just find new things and i just love that busy hand-done look that's a good one okay i gotta look that stuff up yeah and um, uh there's an illust- there's a current illustrator i really like called uh, his name is Derek yanniger and he's he uh he is influenced by uh, um, like some of the old album art from the fifties. Like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Flora. He was like a album designer back in the day, but I've always loved his work. It's just so quirky and twisty and weird. <laughs> it's weird. I <laughs> yes. love that. That's such a great descriptor. Um, yeah. Those are some great ones. I haven't heard those names before, so I want to look them yeah. up. And another designer that um, that I've always I've I've never really been into, but I went to a design conference earlier this year, and he gave a uh, he gave a keynote, um, David Carson. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of him from a design perspective back in the '90s, but uh, he just there's like at his speech, he kind of you know showed me some other ways of thinking about the idea of like flipping expectations, uh-huh. like don't do don't do the thing that's completely expected, like do make up your own rules, do it your way. Like don't, like he doesn't use a grid, just go ahead and like put this here, put this there and, and just do it the way you want. Uh-huh. Like be the inventor. And I, you know, I've always looked at him as like more of a, like a fine artist almost more than a, than a designer. Like grid free living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that's, can you, yeah, I think another podcast called grid free living would be really good. Can we, can we get that going? There you go. That's yours, Steve. You got to <laughs> run with that. Now. Maybe I'll start that. <laughs> Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your process now and, you know, you might not think it's unique, um, or anything special, but I want to hear from you 
What makes it yours? What do you, what's your process like? Um, yeah, there's a lot of things I do that are pretty similar to what other people do. I think the first thing, once I get an assignment is I will look at fonts. I'll look at styles. I'll just immediately go online and start, um, just seeing what's out there, seeing what other people are doing partly mm-hmm. to, you know, just kind of steal ideas, but also to like avoid things like, Oh, that's been done a million times or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always start on paper first. Um, I have been getting more into, uh, I love the iPad pro. So I'll sketch. I love sketching on the iPad pro because you can, you can resize. It's like, I don't have to walk over to the copy machine to resize things. anymore. <laughs> I can, yeah. You know, I can resize them on the fly. It's fantastic. And what what apps uh, are you using on your iPad Pro? I, I use um, it's a Sketchbook. It's like a, um, I think it's called Sketchbook. It's 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 by uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name. It's um, uh, Autodesk. Okay. Yeah, Autodesk creates Sketch. It's a fantastic app. I use Procreate for a few things, but I think um, Sketchbook is um, is like a little more direct. Like it's a little quicker for me to work with. Got it. So iPad Pro, what are you doing? Sort of, are you making mood boards? Are you pres- sort of all of the the usual process stuff? Yeah, I don't, I don't do the mood. I don't do as many mood boards as I used to. Um, I just, you know, a lot of times I'll just grab like a folder of images. Um, you know, I don't use Pinterest like a lot of people do. I just grab folders of images and then use mm-hmm. like Adobe Bridge if I want to print them out. Um, but in the uh, in in the iPad, what I'll do is, you know, I'll I'll import. Like if I take a photo of something, I'll import that and maybe sketch over it. Um, and, and, and then oftentimes I'll go back and forth. Like if, if I do a sketch, I'll, I'll bring it into Illustrator, kind of rework some things. So I actually really love drawing in Illustrator because I've been doing it for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I can, I can flesh things out. Uh, sometimes it's easier for me to do like anatomy and stuff on the Illustrator, honestly. Uh, and then I'll bring it back into the iPad. Sometimes I'll go back and forth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And but in right in the beginning, do you just jump right into the iPad Pro and sketching there, or do you do the mm-hmm. sort of pencil and paper thing? Yeah, I've I've kind of I've always historically done hit pencil and paper, and then I'll take like a photo with my phone and mm-hmm. then import it either on the computer or or the iPad. But I've kind of gotten more into like just jumping right onto the iPad. I actually really like drawing on it. Got it. I got to experiment yeah. with that because I do have the stuff to do it, but I just never haven't messed around with it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, I, I, a few of your guests have, have like, I, there's quite a few I've noticed who are into it, and it's like a you know, number it's, of them. It's honestly yeah, it comes surprising. Up, it comes up in like 75% of the episodes, mm-hmm. the iPad Pro. Yeah. Um, Steve, the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes and you learned some lessons. And I want to pull those yeah. stories out for the listeners. Yeah, for sure. Um, um go ahead. Oh no, I was just uh I, I was umming. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you all can, good. Uh, finish your um, question. So what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging uh, and how did you get through it? Well, I think um I think in my last job about maybe about eight to ten years ago, uh-huh. I was kind of going through this constant uh burnout phase. Like I just felt like we were, you know, hitting our heads against the wall. Uh, with certain clients and uh, it just, I was like burned out on the entire thing. I was actually thinking about changing careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, you know, and then other things are going on in my life where I was drinking too much and it was, it was, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I needed to like kind of refocus on my career at that time or get out of it. So one thing I, I did is I, 
I started uh, looking at photography more and I kind of got into that, bought a nice camera and then like, you know, really got into the lighting side of it. I tried mm-hmm. to learn how to light stuff and, and it sort of reinvigorated me. Like it taught me this whole new area, this whole new avenue that I could get into. It's, it's stuff I had done in college, but I wanted to have like another dimension to it where, you know, I can, where I was able to shoot things as well, you know, on my own as what you'd get at a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, just concentrating on the qualities of light, you know, that, and then, and then the idea of solving, just getting the idea that design problems are design opportunities, mm-hmm. like that solving those, you know, like no matter how stupid or small those problems are, sometimes that's like, that can be a, re- a rewarding experience. So in, when you were hitting that burnout at the mm-hmm. pre- your previous job, what was it about that situation that led to that burnout? Was it just stressful clients or trying to I, it, do too much or? It was, uh, it, I think it was, it, I think it was a lot of uh, the stressful client thing. Like we had a few clients that were pretty difficult at the time. I'm not going to say who, Nope, for sure. Um, but, uh, um, but it was a great, I mean, it was a great job. I loved, I loved doing what I do. And it's, it's very similar to what I do now. Um, but for some reason I was having a harder time, like working through, um, just, you know, that, you know, you feel like you're not, you, you're not winning, you know, you can never, mm-hmm. you never get a win with a client. And it's like, you go for a year with, you know, nothing gets published or, you know, it just, it gets to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, an existential weight on your career. Mm-hmm. So then your way through that and getting through that was finding photography again. And that sort of reignited Mm -hmm. that fire for you and pulled you through. Yeah. Just learning something new and it could have been anything at the time. I'm, you know, I could have just as easily gone into, you know, coding and web design or something and learn that, you know, and maybe just have a different uh, history might've altered itself a little bit, but photography was kind of the thing that, that pushed me. Okay. And so, and I, I I tried to learn how to reinvent my work too, because one of the things when you're in the career, as long as, you know, at that point, I'd probably been, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years at that time. And that's a long time to be doing packaging. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what happens to a lot of older designers is they just get stuck in a rut, um, you know, or you end up just doing the same thing over and over. And I felt like that was starting to happen with me. Um, so I needed, I needed to turn to those, you know, some of my younger colleagues um, just to look at what they're doing and, and learn like from, you know, what was current and try to incorporate that in my work. Got it. Sort of refresh you. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Steve, can you take us to a specific story about a design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? And what was that like? How did that feel? Yeah. Um, I've been in a lot that of projects that don't bring the desired result. <laughs> uh, but there's one story in particular that sticks with me, and it was early early in my career, uh-huh. um, maybe 20 years ago or so. It was one of the first freelance jobs that I, uh, that I did on my own. Um, and it was this, it was like a high-end audio thing. It was like a, a guy who was selling speakers, and uh-huh. I was doing a logo for him. And I just, I didn't know a lot about how to manage the client's expectations. Uh-huh. Um, so I think he thought, you know, he kind of went into it thinking he was going to get a million free designs essentially where I'm thinking like, well, he's getting, you know, I'll give him five options. He'll pick one. And he didn't pick one. He just kept churning and wanting to do more and more and more. And then on the, at the same time, not paying, like he didn't want to pay for the work. Yep. 
And it, it, the relationship with that client devolved to the point where we, you know, I got into a shouting match with them at one point and it was, it was pretty ugly and I never did get paid. (laughs) It just, it just went away and it was just awful. And, you know, the work was, it probably wasn't that good anyway, because I wasn't very good at, you know, managing his expectations either. Uh Um, and so if I could do it over again, I think I would, you know, anybody who finds themselves facing a situation like that, make sure to get paid up front as <laughs> like some percentage, like, so at least you have like a, a kill fee mm-hmm. basically. Um, I would definitely. So know, was that a freelance that project then? Yeah, that was a freelance project. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. That would be a st- uh, tough one because you know, the financial aspect of that is hundred percent mm-hmm. on your shoulders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the lesson in that then is just to, you know, establish, you know, that kill fee like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I got better at doing that, you know, later on. But I, even to this day, sometimes I'll have a tendency to, if I've worked with somebody in the past, if I do a freelance job, sometimes I'll just be like, eh, don't worry about it, pay me whenever. And and they're usually really good about it. But it's yeah. there's a big difference between somebody who's been working with, uh, you know, a particular client for 20 years versus, you know, I don't know this guy. Can I trust them? You know, totally. Yeah, new client yeah. and you know establishing a relationship and building a relationship is totally different than one that's been established. Exactly. Got it. Um, Steve, what's something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um, I think the biggest thing is just continuing that journey of trying to reinvent myself as much as I can, mm-hmm. um, but also balancing that with like uh, like there is like a uh, there is a lot of um, experience and knowledge that I have, like mm-hmm. where I can apply some of that wisdom, but balancing that where it's just like, I'm not just going through the motions, but, but really leaning on experience. Um, but then also being ready to disrupt my own worldview. And it's just finding that balance. Like, mm-hmm. how do I do that? Do you find that in design right now, are you challenging yourself? Uh, I think, I am, but I can always do more. I think I can always challenge myself more. Mm-hmm. What, um, what ways do you think you sort of feel you need to be challenged? Uh, one thing about my work in general, and it's always been like this, is I tend to work a little busy. And that's why I gravitate towards, you know, designers like Chuck Yu that, that do like a really intense, busy kind of kind of work. But I do, you know... I do tend to work busy and then, and then do a subtractive process. And mm-hmm. it's like, how could I, how could I find a way to, um, you know, turn that around? Like, you know, I, I'm trying to work at a little more of an additive process, like where I start with nothing rather than subtracting. Got it. Yeah. Um, I want to turn this around now and I want you, yeah. Steve, to tell us about a, a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of one that just makes your oh, heart sing. Yeah. Um, Spit a few of those as well. Um, I'll talk about the most recent one that I think would fit. Um, there was a project we did for Wells Dairy recently. Um, we do a lot of um, innovation type projects for them. Where basically we 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 work with with uh, we work with somebody in their innovation department to basically create from scratch like new brands, new products, new you know crazy new things. Uh-huh. And the one I worked on was a project product called uh, Cold Crush. Uh, it's an ice cream, and it's like a super premium, you know, kind of. It's comparable to like a Haagen Dazs in quality, but it's it's sold in a little bit bigger package. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that I really liked about that project is just the client experience was so good. Like that's such a great client for us, and 
um, the just the fact that I actually got to this it rarely happens even as long as I've been doing this to be <laughs> able to actually to be able to actually come up with the name for the product and to do the logo and the design that's cool and you know and basically create the system uh, from scratch and and have it essentially not get changed a whole lot along the process you know it's that rewarding feeling of really being able to put your stamp on it and yeah. that stamp getting the thumbs up exactly so that was to me that's you know, I, it was the, the favorite thing I think I've worked on lately. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> Steve, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Oh, boy. Uh, well, I think the first one immediately is Adobe anything, like Adobe Creative Cloud. So mm. uh, Illustrator, um, I'm an illustrator like eight hours a day minimum probably. Um, so that's probably number one with a bullet. Awesome. Uh, Photoshop would be right up there. And, uh, you know, and, a, and my trusty camera. Couldn't live without it. Awesome. What camera are you using right now? I have a Nikon D600. Nice. I know nothing about cameras, yeah. but it sounds yeah. like it's a good one. It's it's nice. It's a very nice, it was an affordable full-frame camera, and it, it does. it. But, I, you know, with the, the camera end of it, I, I'm, I'm happy with pretty much any camera. It's, I'm kind of all about the getting the lighting <laughs> like is the light good mm-hmm. there was that um uh, his name escapes me right now but the photographer who dealt with basically all black and white um oh yeah um well there's been quite a few <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. there's one particular one anyway i can't remember the name of them yeah um, but that's what it makes me think of you know when you're talking lighting mm-hmm. yeah and i you know i can talk a little about some of the photographers that i'm into like uh like uh Andre Serrano, uh, he gets a lot of, you know, like he's kind of considered a heavy in the art world because he did the, he did that controversial piece back in the nineties, Piss Christ. Oh, wow. Um, but a lot of people overlook, you know, behind the controversy that they overlook the fact that that the photo itself is beautiful. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's this, it's a crucifix in, in urine basically, which is obviously, you know, going to, going to cause issues. But yes. if you just look at it objectively, uh, just, I mean, just appreciate the, the beautiful like quality of the way the light is coming through. Um, it's got a glow to it. It's just unbelievable, you know, and it, stuff like that. And then even looking at like old Rembrandt paintings, um, really inspires me. I like that. The photographers, I need to look up that, uh, that image that you mentioned. Cause yeah. I, I haven't heard of that one. So, and he has a lot of he has a lot of work that's fantastic. Cindy Sherman, I really like her work because she um, has a lot of staged things that are interesting. Uh-huh. Um, but just there's a real you know she has this understanding of of like just how to um, just get somebody to uh, uh, I don't know rethink their <laughs> existence almost. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, Steve, you reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. So I've got a question for you from my previous guest, and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. All right. Terrific. I hope it's a good question. Yep. So, well, I think it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so my previous guest was Scotty Russell from Perspective Collective. He also has the Perspective Podcast, which is all about mm-hmm. design and side hustle and freelance uh, with your day job kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, he wanted to ask you if you were on death row, what would be the, your last slice of pizza? <laughs> okay. My last slice of pizza on death row. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, yeah, it's not as simple as you think. Uh, 
<laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, I think I have an answer for this. This is not necessarily my favorite pizza in the world, but it's probably the one that's gonna I'm gonna want to take with me to the afterlife. Um, there's a chain in the Midwest called Rocky Rococo. Okay. And uh, it's it kind of went defunct, but it's sort of been coming back a little. And they have a slice. They, it's a Detroit style pizza. It's a big, you know, it's a big square pan. Uh-huh. So it's real cheesy, real saucy, really doughy. Um, and they have a, a particular uh, slice called the Uncle Sal's. It's got sausage, onion, tomato chunks, uh, pepperoni. And it's fantastic. That's probably the slice I'd want to go so down. That, like I'm picturing a large loaded slice. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd probably order the whole. If I'm if I'm on death row anyway, I'd probably just get the whole thing and just take it <laughs> the down. whole pizza. Do it anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome, Steve. What is your question? Uh, my question. This is a maybe. This is a ridiculous question, but okay. Uh, choose one. Only use papyrus for the rest of your career or only listen to Michael Bolton for the rest of your life. Which do you choose and why? (laughs) So only (laughs) listen to Michael Bolton the rest of Uh your life. Yep. (laughs) Or papyrus for the rest of your, well, the rest of your design life. Papyrus for the rest of your design career. (laughs) Yeah. That's brilliant. All right, I'm going to ask the next guest, and I don't think they're going to see this one coming. Uh, that's what I was going for. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, Steve, thank you so much for being on the Quickie Podcast today. It was great, great chatting with you and hearing your stories. Thanks. This was enjoyable. I loved it, and I hope to uh, hope to listen. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. I really appreciate your time and spending that here with us, me, and my awesome guests. Thank you again. If you have a moment, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the show. It helps others find the show, helps others take in these great stories that these guests are sharing, and I really appreciate reading them. They make me feel good. They make me learn. They help me grow. Thank you again. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you tomorrow.